Hello, my friend. I am glad to share with you a reflection on the readings of the second Sunday of Advent. Um, it's been quite a long time since I shared the word with you. I hope you're well, and I hope that I will be able to continue to share or uh, break open the word with you. This is not a homily. Usually I share the homily with you. I'm in Italy right now, and uh, besides, I'm preaching in Italian. But I just wanted to share the fruit of my study, my reflection, and hopefully we can help each other up to say yes to the will of God. Dear friends, uh, I'm so glad that uh, I accepted the invitation slash challenge of some of my old friends, brothers and sisters, to share with you uh, the insights that the Word of God gives us this particular time of Advent. This is honestly my second attempt to record a podcast. Hopefully this will be the right take. Well, anyway, we are focusing on the readings of the second Sunday of Advent, and I'm very well aware that it comes a little late, but it's still a good opportunity to open the Word and meditate on it. It's a particular time of the year. We just started a new journey, liturgical journey, uh, and Advent is the season where we start looking at things, in a way, from the point of view of darkness, We light the candles because we are in darkness. We are the people who walked in darkness. And we are the people who are, we are preparing ourselves to encounter the great light. But our eyes, in a way, have to get used to it. And uh, uh, in my particular case, it's a time where I see things from a particular type of darkness where I'm still struggling with a lot of things physically and spiritually and all those things. But we're not talking about that. What are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that Christ is coming. God has made himself close to us. We, it's not something that we are remembering, the, the coming of Christ. We know that he has come. He will come again. And he's coming every time we open ourselves to him in prayer and in sacrament. But so this is a journey where we want to increase our awareness of what God has done in Christ, that he made himself close to us. So second Sunday, second step, um, and we look at John the Baptist. Uh, We read it in those days, John the Baptist came into a particular place, into the wilderness. It's, a, it's not the right place to call people in. Uh, people usually encounter God in the temple, in the synagogue, not in the wilderness. And you see, God is already inviting us to go out of our comfort zone and start looking at things in a different way. So he is coming. And he wants us to encounter him in a place that is different than usual. And that sometimes 
sometimes is a problem. Even for me, sometimes um, I struggle with the concept that God is calling me to encounter him in a different place, in a place that I'm not comfortable with. And yet that's exactly where is he is calling me. That's exactly where he's calling you to encounter him outside of our comfort zone. So what happens? We are invited to repent because of the coming of the kingdom. In other words, the more we become aware that God is getting closer to us, the more we want to repent. The more we repent, the more we discover him closer and closer to us. What does the word repent mean? Well, not only we want to repent and go to confession and do all those things, but the word challenges, challenges us to take another step. Metanoia, the word to repent, means to first and foremost change our mind about something. Uh, we need to become aware that we can no longer live. The ideal situation is this, my friends. Sometimes we think, okay, we can do whatever we want with our Christian life. We go to confession and bam, all our sins are forgiven. And then we go back to our normal life. Not exactly what we are challenged and not exactly what God is inviting us to do. If we believe that God is getting so close to us that he lives in us, we cannot live our life as though this never happened. So to repent means to change one's mind about who we are, about who God is, about how God wants us to encounter him. And we will find out that we need to change our mind also about who our neighbor, who the other is, especially the members of our family, the members of our church of our parish of the church at large and our the people who live in the same city as we do and in the same country in the same world on the same planet we need to repent we need to change our mind because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it means that things now are different and hopefully this will be the time when we open up a little bit uh, and change our minds. We already have been challenged by God to encounter him in a place that is outside of the norm, the wilderness. And now in this place, we need to change our minds. To, we need to start looking at things in a different way. It is here that we are called to prepare. You see, there is another action. We have to prepare for this arrival. And... Uh, uh, this is time where people prepare for Christmas. We put the decorations out, the streets are full of lights, the stores are uh, inviting us to look at them and see them in a different way. We see they want us to look at their merchandise as the answer to the lifelong question, what are we going to give that person for Christmas as a gift? And... Well, God is trying to do the same. Like, can you prepare yourself? To make straight the path means to remove the corners, make it 
easier for him to come, for us to become aware, and we need to prepare. Uh, we need to clean up the path. And it's not an easy thing to do because it's a busy season, but the challenge is still there. In this particular case, Matthew gives us uh, an interesting command that John the Baptist gives to the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, it, we also find it in the Gospel of Luke. He says, bear fruit keeping with repentance. I believe that in our uh, translation, we read, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. This must be the goal of our preparation. We have to produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. In other words, we have to understand that our encounter with Christ, the awareness that the kingdom of God is at hand, is something that happens within us. But because we repent and change our mind, our life must be evidence. We must have fruits. We must live in a way that people know we are those kind of people, the people who believe that Christ's life, his coming, is making a difference. We, my friends, cannot expect other people to live as Christians if we are not willing to do the same. It's incredibly easy to expect other people to show evidence of their Christian life. But if we are not willing to produce those fruits as evidence, we should lower the expectation. We should not just expect others to give us those fruits. We are called to the same lifestyle. Christianity, I know there is a tendency to reduce Christianity to a set of nice, kind words, prayers, and um, those wonderful things. And they're all good. But Christianity is a lifestyle based on the awareness that God is love and that in Christ He has made, He's poured His love, the love that He has for His Son, He poured into our hearts. And because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we are now responding. We are able to respond, which we say that we become saints. It's the tension towards holiness. So we are invited to bear fruit, to produce fruit as evidence of our repentance, of the fact that we changed our minds, we know that the kingdom is at hand, and now we live accordingly. Uh, whenever we talk about fruit, we, I think, a fruit as something that is, first of all, for other people. The tree doesn't enjoy having fruit. The, 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 the tree produces it, fruits for other people to pick them up and eat. But also, these fruits contain seed. So the kingdom that is at hand spreads if it were a tree, these are all images, these are all metaphors, spreads because the fruit we eat, the fruit we bear, becomes seed for other people as well. So we know that the fruits of our lives have to be 
good for other people. People have to uh, be in, they can be enriched by the fruits that we produce as evidence of our repentance. But the fruits are also connected to the tree. If the tree is a lemon tree, well, the fruit ought to be lemons, right? If the tree is an apple tree, the fruits that we are expecting to see are going to be apples. The fruit that we are producing as evidence of our repentance, therefore, cannot be anything but Christ himself, because he is the tree. And therefore, the more we are connected to him, the more the evidence that of our repentance in our life are traits that are more and more like the traits of Jesus. Do you understand? That can, it cannot be anything else but Christ. I'm surprised at how many people that consider themselves to be Christian, um, that consider themselves to be super Catholic, as a matter of fact, they are such good Catholics that, that they're producing fruits that almost deny Christ. They have wonderful opinions about what Catholicism can be, but the fruit must be that of Christ. He is the tree, we are the fruits, and therefore the things are to be connected. Some people sometimes, and I've done that many times too, in order to defend our faith, we deny the words of Christ. Where am I going with this? Just follow me. In the way we are reading the scriptures, in the liturgical way of reading the scripture of this Sunday of this week, we notice that our attention must be uh, brought to a particular aspect of Christian life. We read in the first reading, and let me take it from Isaiah 11, that the the tree in question, of course, is Jesse's tree. It's the, 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 the tree that is connected to the Messiah, to Christ. But look at what's happening. Um, the tree, because of the presence of this tree, because we would say the kingdom is at hand, because of the coming of Christ, we immediately see some results, some fruits. I'm reading from Isaiah 11, the first reading of this Sunday. Justice shall be the band around his waist, faithfulness a belt upon his hips. Then, so there is a consequence here. The wolf shall be a guest of the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion shall browse together with the little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Together with the young, with their young shall lie down. The lion shall eat hay with like the ox, and the baby shall play with the by the viper's den. The child lay his hand on the adder's lair, and they shall not harm or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. What am I saying here? We are saying that. The presence of Christ generates in us a particular kind of lifestyle, a particular attitude towards others. We cannot 
leave Christianity all by ourselves. As Christians, we are incorporated into a body. Now, I told you that to repent means to change our minds so that we, once and for all, live in a certain way. We must take a look, look at ourselves, look at God and each other in a different way. The fruit, one of the fruits that we must bear as evidence of our repentance, therefore, is the way we look at each other, the way we treat each other. And it cannot be as the word sees each other. I am very concerned by the fact that everything we do now on the level of culture, of politics, and even church is based on pointing the finger and dividing the nation, dividing the city, dividing the family, dividing the church by that little finger. That's not what we see in Scripture. That's not what we are invited to look to, to, to do, right? We are invited to see and welcome the other in spite of and because of the fact that the other is different. Am I making this up? Oh, I wish. But no, it comes from the Scriptures. Our second reading from the letter to the Romans, is pointing out at this. And this ought to be incorporated into our um, journey of Advent. Paul says, whatever uh, was written previously was written for our instruction that by endurance and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to, listen carefully, think in harmony with one another, in keeping with Christ, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we already are invited to keep in harmony with one another and with one accord, with one voice, give glory to God. Now the point. We are at verse 7 of uh, Romans 15. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a minister of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises to the patriarch. Now, what does he mean? He's saying this. Because Christ, who is coming, welcomed us, into his body, into the family of God, we ought to welcome one another. Under the Jesse's tree, which I, if you remember uh, in the past, I talked about Christianity being this movement from one tree to another, from the tree uh, of the, um, where we are in very good company, we feel very comfortable being in company with Adam and Eve, but we have to move from that tree to the tree of the cross. When we are under the cross, we realize that we are called to welcome one another, to love one another, to establish links of communion. We cannot live Christianity. We cannot be good Christians by separating the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that we are not called to in love 
and lovingly to help each other to change our mind, to repent and to move away from sin. But that's on them. Our duty, part of the fruits as evident, that we have to produce as evidence of our repentance is this attitude that makes the other person welcomed into our lives. That's why I, I said repentance invites us to take a look, to change our minds about ourselves, the other, and God. It means that, um, you see, the whole chapter 14 and 15 of the letter of, to the Romans, uh, Paul is struggling with this. The Romans, like the Corinthians, thought that they were better than others. And it seems within these uh, chapters, especially the beginning of chapter 15, I'm encouraging you to go back, pick up your Bible and read that directly on your own. In on <clears throat> chapter 15, um, uh, Paul begins by saying, we who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, meaning don't feel good by putting other people down. Let each other please our neighbor for the good, for building up. For Christ did not please himself as it's written, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we have to understand whether we think we are the strong ones we are looking at the weak ones, um, not as people that we need to reject, but people we need to love more, to build them up in love so that they can become strong. Instead, we are using our um, opinions. It, it, that, that's what really bugs me nowadays. I'm reading a lot, some blogs and posts and comments that Catholics post and what do I see is this. We are using our opinions as a means to separate people, to condemn people. It's kind of funny. I even hear uh, people saying, well, the Pope is wrong because he doesn't agree with me. Ultimately, that's what goes to. How can it be? I never hear people saying, you know, I'm wrong because I don't agree with. It's always the other way around. This is a sign. I know it's a little strong, but it's a sign that we are not closer to the tree of the cross, but the tree of Adam and Eve, the tree of pride that is telling us everybody has to change their minds and agree with me. The gospel is telling us repent, change your mind so that you can think as God does, as Christ does, because it's not your kingdom that is getting closer to God, but it's God's kingdom that is coming closer to you, to us. Do you understand? It's a major challenge because the more we open up to the presence of the other, the more we discover that we are being visited by Christ. And that's a major challenge. I understand. It's very difficult to consider the other as part of my family and let it go of that self-righteous outlook of things. Let's be honest, that I'm always right. I know how to be a good Catholic and everybody else have to change, even the Pope, all the bishops, all the... We are all under the same boat. We are all called to repent, but we cannot 
displace the responsibility of repentance and place it only on other people. Oh, if the priests were good and holy priests, or if the Pope would be more baloney. It doesn't work that way. It begins with my choice of God and says, I have to repent. I have to change my mind. I have to do whatever it takes to welcome the kingdom that is coming. Otherwise, once the Christmas season is over, I'm going to put away all the decorations and with that, even the kingdom of God. The call is to make this choice of repentance once and for all. So that becomes indeed, um, Christianity becomes the way we live, the way we think, the way we act. And it takes a little bit at a time, but it all starts with our welcoming the challenge of repentance, of changing our mind, so that we can make the choice and start producing the fruits of repent as evidence of our repentance. Without making excuses, John, uh, John the Baptist approaches this, and if you continue to read the, the text, you see that he calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees broods of vipers, which is not a nice thing, and he's saying, do not think that just because you are good Catholics, that you go to that particular prayer group, or because you go to that parish and not that, the other parish, or because whatever it is that we can come up with as an excuse. I say my prayers in English. I say my prayers in Latin. You know, we have all these many wonderful ways of making excuse. Nobody is outside of the command. We ought to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let's do something about it. And this decision we're making, once again, is concrete and it must be evidence. Other people have to notice that there is a change in us. My goodness, that's a major, major challenge, isn't it? And, um, but we're not doing it alone. Uh, the Holy Spirit is helping us out. But, my friends, let's make sure that we are willing and ready to uh, pray for one another and support one another so that we can, it, together, become aware of what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven and most especially become more and more aware that we need each other, whether we are weak whether we are strong, we need each other to become saints and respond to this invitation. Too much? Hope not. Let's pray for one another. Please continue to pray for me so that I may continue to say yes to the will of God and um, continue to build up the kingdom with you, for you. And um, let's take some time in prayer. Almighty and merciful God, May no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son, but may our learning of heavenly wisdom gain us admittance to his company, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.